Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. Brother Les's offering, he did a great job, but your response level was a little sleepy, to be honest. That's not going to work in my message because you got to get more when you respond more today. Bless, you did an outstanding job. Don't let their sleepiness fool you. You did a great job this morning. But we're excited today. It's Rep Your Team Day. Last time I checked, fans are loud, boisterous, obnoxious. They're excited. So I don't know what this religiousness got on you this morning. Like, oh, I don't want to talk in church. No. Come on. If you're excited about your team, you're loud. You're excited. Wow, somebody shut off the lights. We're, we're on fire here this morning. Can somebody grab that for me? Wow. There we go. Hey, if you got your Bibles with you, let's turn to the book of Acts. You don't know what's going to happen. Man, something could come out of the wall. The lights are turned off. All sorts of fun stuff. We're going to be talking today about Rep Your Team Day. It's all in series we've been talking about on Sunday morning. Anybody been receiving anything on Sunday mornings from this all-in series? We're going to start in the book of Acts. We've been reading this as our theme verse for the um, series. It's a good crew in here today. Guys, relax. Are you relaxed? Okay. Hey, I got married on Monday, by the way, guys. In case you didn't know that. I have a ring on my finger right here. So, all right, back to the message. <laughs> I told you anything can happen today. Acts 2, in verse 41, it says, So then those who accepted his message were baptized, and on that day about 3,000 souls were added to the body of believers. And they were continually and faithfully devoting themselves to the instruction of the apostles and to fellowship and to eating meals together and to the prayers. A sense of all was felt by everyone, and many wonders and signs attesting miracles were taking place through the apostles. And notice this, and all those who had believed in Jesus as Savior were together, just like today. We had all things in common, considering their possessions to belong to the group as a whole. And they began selling their property and possessions and sharing the proceeds with the other believers as anyone had need. Day after day, they met in the temple continuing with one mind and breaking bread in various private homes. And they were eating their meals together with joy and generous hearts. And I love the way this ends. Praising God continually and having favor with all the people. And the Lord kept adding to their numbers daily those who were being saved. Can I get amen? amen. And so this has been our theme verse for this entire series about all in and we're talking about the importance of being all in with your church and the first week we talked about being all in with doing life together fellowship the importance of being with each other and the next week we talked about the importance of prayer praying together this early church they prayed together and then the next thing is they gave together they gave generously of their resources they didn't consider their own possessions to just be their own they shared everything they had with each other and with the church community and they lived generously but the fourth thing we want to talk about today and that's why we're calling it rep your team day because we're going to talk specifically about being a part of a team at church and our part, we play in it in serving at our church and serving in community. It's so important to be the great church that we're called to be, the region-changing church we're called to be. Everyone has to be all in. Everyone has to be a part of the team. Everyone has to be serving to be able to be the church we need to be. So it's so important. Let me just read you a definition of what all in means. And this has become a very well-known term in our culture. It means to be fully committed to a task or endeavor, to give or be prepared to give all of one's energy or resources towards something. So when you go all in, you are being fully committed to the task or endeavor, and you're prepared to give all of your energy and resources towards something. And really, in the book of Acts, chapter 2, 41 through 47, that's the way they were living. Yeah. 
all in. They were giving all of their energy and resources, and they were fully committed to seeing the church succeed and live this new life. And if we're going to follow their example, which we should, that we need to follow their steps and what they did, the way they lived. And this was not a one-time event in the Bible. They continued and continued and continued to live this way as the early church. And that's the way we should live as well. That's why the early church was so powerful. That's why in the book of Acts, the first 30 years of the church, they changed the known world. They changed even the, the Roman government. They were impacting the entire known world. This church that started with 120 believers, who grew to 3,000 believers, who grew to 5,000 to 10,000 to hundreds of thousands, changed the world. And as you know, the reason in the past 2,000 years of history, the changes that have been made for the positive have all come through the church. Every form of government, every, the, the financial system, the, the judicial system, every part of the known world and the benefits that have come out of that have come from the church. Hospitals came from the church. Hotels came from the church. Helping others came from the church. This all came from the church. Because that little church that started with 120 people that Jesus said would change the world has changed the world and is still changing the world. And I don't know about you, but in 2022, it's the greatest privilege and honor that we get to be a part of that church that started in the book of Acts 2,000 years ago. We are still a part of that church and Jesus is still changing the world through his church. Come on, I need your help today. He's still changing the world through his church that we get the privilege of being a part of. But we got to do it as a team. It doesn't work by yourself. And I like sports. I appreciate watching sports. Basketball is my favorite sport. But I want to talk about sports for a second because it's a good analogy with teams. I wrote this down. Great individuals win achievements, but great teams win championships. In the sports world, we get annoyed at teams that win a lot, right? Like, when I say some of these teams, I'm going to hear some grunts. You don't like them, though, because they win. They win championships because they're a team. New England Patriots. Yeah, see? New York Yankees, Chicago Bulls, Golden State Warriors. See, they win championships, but there's something that happens with all those teams. Yes, those teams had great players, but they had a great team. That's why they won championships. And as a church, it's not about the pastor. It's not just about the staff. It's not just about a few leaders. It's about all of us in here together because only great teams win championships. Only great teams accomplish the will of God. Only great teams do what God has called them to do. One of my favorite quotes in the world is from John Maxwell. He's probably the most well-known leadership guy in the world. John Maxwell he says this, teamwork makes the dream work. And for all of us in here, God will give you a dream that's bigger than you. He'll give you a plan that's bigger than you. The call of God on this church is bigger than me. The call of God on our church is bigger than a few people. Teamwork has to make the dream work. God puts out the dream, but one person cannot accomplish that dream. It takes a team to accomplish the dream. In the sports world, teams that fulfill that dream of winning a championship are made up of individuals that go all in for the dream. If the team does not buy in to the vision of that team, they're not going to win championships. Everyone has to decide they're going all in. But notice this. Everyone has a part to play in God's plan and God's mission. No one is insignificant. Now, you could just write this down for your notes, but in 1 Corinthians 12, the Apostle Paul says that the body of Christ, it's a body. The church is a body. And every part matters. Hear me clearly this morning. We're still talking about team. 
Just like a sports team, every member of that team matters and has to be all in for the team to win a championship. Jesus says, through the Apostle Paul, writing this to the Corinthian church, that the church is like a body. And every part of the body matters. And there's no part of the body that's insignificant. It goes on and says in 1 Corinthians 12 that no part of the body can say, I don't need you. I don't need you. Well, I'm the eye, so I don't need the hand. Or I'm the hand, and I don't need the foot. No, we all need each other to make a full and complete and healthy body. It's a team. All working together. Just like a team works together, your body has to work together if you're going to be healthy and growing. Stay with me today. But I love it. It goes beyond that. And if you read in 1 Corinthians 12, it actually says the parts of the body you can't see are sometimes more significant than the parts of the body you can't see. And the parts of the body that we think don't matter or are weak actually matter more than the parts that are out front. Because teamwork makes a dream work. Now, now, what does that mean to me or what should that mean to you today about the body? I see it as this. Pulpit ministries like mine up front aren't the most significant part in the body. We're more visual, but the Bible says the parts you can't see are more important than the parts that you can see. The people working in the kids' class are more important than even what I'm doing here because if they're not doing that, we're not having a church service today. Or it's going to be a wild one. I could handle it, but it would be a little distracting. The people running the sound right now are an important part of this, just like my preaching is an important part of this. The people putting the scriptures on here are just as important. The people that you meet in the, um, the lobby or, or the parking lot that meet you before you even get in here are sometimes unseen, but they're just as vital for the body. Now, I don't know if you know this, but we would sometimes act like some parts of our body don't matter. Then wait till one part doesn't work. <laughs> Trust me on this. When your big toe is malfunctioning. Now, I'm only saying that because I've had gout before in my toe. In my one big toe. You're thinking, I, the rest of my body's healthy, but my big toe is hurting. I can't do anything. I lay in bed. I don't want to talk to people. I don't want to see people. It's just one toe. But when the toe's not working, the body doesn't work. It's a big deal. Now, if we can understand that about your natural body, how about the church? How about the church? Apply it to yourself. It's awesome if 95% of you are doing something in this church, serving and apart and all in. But what about the 5%? You're holding the rest of us back. You're not being a part of the team. And you may be thinking you're getting away with it, but actually you're making the rest of us. <laughs> Is that God's will? No. Every part matters in the body. There's many parts, none without significance. All parts are needed, especially the ones we can't see, especially the ones that don't get thank yous, especially the ones that people overlook. You guys matter more than even what I'm doing today, because if I don't have you guys, we can't have the church that we need to have. Every part matters. Everyone's serving, everyone doing their part, everyone playing their role. Back to sports. You guys still with me? On every great championship team, there's role players. We just know about the Michael Jordans and the Tom Brady's and the Steph Curry's. They're great. But if they didn't have the role players on their team, they could not win championships. And we need to realize that everyone has a specific part to play and none are without significance. Let's just take the Chicago Bulls, for instance. I realize that's dating me. That's when I grew up during the era of Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls in the 90s. 
But they won six championships that year. But Michael Jordan didn't win championships until he got a team full of role players. Everyone playing their role, doing their part. Just like in the church, we need somebody who's going to excel at kids' ministry. When they excel at kids' ministry, they make the rest of the team stronger. They're playing their role. When, when we got people on the back doing the visuals and doing the sound and they're excelling in it, they're playing their role. When we got people in the parking lot and on the kitchen team and in the quarry and, and helping out and, and serving other people and handing out food to people or giving, they're playing their role. And everyone has to play their role for us to win the championship. None are without significance. But if you know anything about the Chicago Bulls, there was Michael Jordan. Now, Michael Jordan's the most well-known basketball player. The GOAT. Greatest of all time. Some of you older people are like, don't, you call, don't call him a GOAT. I know some say LeBron James, some say Steph Curry, but Michael Jordan still got it in my book. But on the Chicago Bulls, are you still with me today? Did you go to sleep? Okay, just checking. On the Chicago Bulls team, there was role players. So there were some players on that team. There was Scottie Pippen, which was his right-hand man. And, and he was good at defense, but he was also good at scoring. And, and then there was somebody like Luke Longley, who was their center. Really tall guy. And, and he just got a lot of rebounds and blocked. And then there was a guy named Tony Kukoc who, who shot three-pointers. And then there was a really well-known guy named Dennis Rodman. Had crazy colored hair. And all he was paid to do on that team was to rebound the ball and to start fights. Some of you in this church got that anointing on you. <laughs> I won't name names. I won't name names. Hey, we're only paying you to rebound, not start fights here at Church on the Rock. But there was a guy like Dennis Rodman. He won championships with Michael Jordan, and he never scored a point. Because he rebounded the ball, and he played his role, which was defense and rebounding and blocking and being defensive. But Michael Jordan and Dennis Rodman both got the same reward. Their stats look completely different. But they all played the role. If you look at any of the championships that Tom Brady won, yes, he's a great quarterback, but he had to have a good defense or he couldn't throw the ball. I mean, know that in football. If you don't have guys defending the quarterback, Tom Brady ain't throwing nothing. He's just got to get concussions and get knocked out. You got to pay these guys because when they play their role, then the quarterback can do what he's called to do. You follow me today? It's the same way in the church. By no means what I'm saying, I'm not the Michael Jordan of Church on the Rock. Like, I knew that's where Pastor was going today. My name is Jordan Michael, but I'm just saying, if it fits, it fits. <laughs> but I'm not the Michael Jordan of Church on the Rock. I'm not the Steph Curry of Church on the Rock. I'm not the LeBron James of Church on the Rock. Guess what? There's only one superstar on this team, and it's Jesus Christ. The rest of us are all role players on Team Jesus. We're all got to do our part. Some of us preach. Some of us sing. Some of us do the kids. Some of us cook food. Some of us answer the phones. Some of us, some of us hold the doors. Some of us teach the kids. Some of us run the visuals. Some of us give generously. Some of us intercede. Some of us go in the back and clean up. Some of us set up for picnics and do tables and chairs. But we all play our role. And when we all play our role, we win championships. By championships, I mean fulfilling what God's put on our church to do and the dream that he's put in our heart because teamwork makes the dream work. All of us play a role. And when you understand you play a role, then you'll honor the position you're in. Stop trying to be the superstar. Nobody is other than Jesus. So say, I, no, I don't get enough attention at church. It's not about you. It's about Jesus anyways. It's not about me. I appreciate that. I know honor has been taught in our church, and that's great, and I believe in it. But it's not about even your pastor. It's about Jesus. Your pastor's only as good as the way he points you to Jesus. 
when I preach messages, I should be pointing to Jesus, not me. All I'm doing is telling you where the answers are. Every time I get up here, not me, him. Need a healing? It's not for me, it's him. You need deliverance? It's not me, it's heal him. You, you need help in your relationship? It's not me, it's him. You need help in your mind? It's not me, it's him. And I can help you with that because I can help you through the word and point you to him. He's the superstar. He's the reason. We're all just role players in this thing. But it's the greatest privilege that we can have in our life. Me personally, I'd rather be a role player on a championship team than a superstar on a losing team. <laughs> I went to Graceland Christian School. That's kind of how my whole basketball career was. <laughs> a lot of losses. A lot of losses. Tried my best, but a lot of losses. But I would have done anything. I'm like, I'll just rebound to get on a winning team. I'll play defense to get on a win. I'll, I'll be the water boy if that's what it takes to be on a winning team. Because teamwork makes a dream work. Great churches are not built on the talents of a few, but on the sacrifices of many. I want to repeat that again. Great churches are not built on the talents of a few, but the sacrifices of many. The reason great churches are great is not because of a pastor. It's not because of just a worship leader or a great staff. That helps. But it's because everyone in that church is sacrificing for the success of their church. To be everything that God has called it to be and to fulfill the dream that God has on that church. Because when we get to heaven, God's not going to call me out for Church on the Rock. He's going to call all of us out. Really, the only thing I get called out is about if I did a good job or not. And it says there's a stricter judgment for those who are in leadership than just someone who goes to church. But when God calls out Church on the Rock and says, hey, you guys are region changing church. and You did this and this and this. He's going to say, Church on the Rock, come on up. And there's going to be more than us here. You guys know that, right? It's not going to be a couple hundred people. There's going to be thousands of Church on the Rock people coming up together to receive the reward of Jesus because of we fulfilled the dream and the plan that God had for us. So great churches are not built on the talents of a few, but the sacrifices of many. This is what I've understood in my church life. Now, I've been... Um, in church my whole life, raised in a pastor's home, working full-time at church since I was 18. I'm 34 now. I've heard a lot of things, to say the least. But this is what I've always noticed. The people the most vocal about what the church should do. And the people the most vocal about what the church should change are the people doing absolutely nothing. Come on now, somebody. You know why? Because they have the spirit of a spectator. You guys have seen that at your kids' games, haven't you? The parent that thinks that they play professional basketball telling little Johnny what he should be doing on the court. You're not playing. That's why you got time to talk. You're not in the game. That's why you have time to mouth off at the tennis match, parent. No, the people that talk the most that I've seen in the church world that, that have the time to write the blog, that have the time to gossip about the church, that have the time to tell what's wrong with the church and the church needs to change this, are not participating in what God's doing. They're spectating. That's why they have time to talk about it. But as for me, I don't want to be a church critic. I want to be a church builder. It's easy to point out what's wrong. It takes some effort and some all-in and some teamwork to change and turn it into what's right. I read this recently, and it says, I'd rather be a chef than a food critic. I'd rather be a director than a movie critic. And I'd rather be a church builder than a church critic. Because it takes no effort to observe things and criticize it. 
It takes some effort to actually produce something, to create something, to build something. And that's what my life is going to be. And I'm believing that's what your life's going to be. I'm not going to stand on the sidelines complaining. I'm going to get in the game and start building what Jesus is building. And Jesus said he's building one thing in the earth. He's building his church. And Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. If he's building it, I'm going to build it. I'm not going to criticize his church. I'm not going to criticize his bride. I'm going to build it. I'm going to help it. I'm going to give to it. Not stand on the sidelines criticizing what's wrong. Takes no talent to be a critic. You know, I watch ESPN as well, but you realize all those sports commentators don't play. It's way easier to talk about what the players did wrong and you don't even play. Think about that in the church world. God has not called you to sit in the stands and eat your popcorn and tear up all the churches in our community by your criticism. He's called for you to get off your blessed assurance Put your popcorn down, put your Coke down, stop criticizing this church or any other church and start getting all in and involved and start building what Jesus is building. That's the will of God for you. Takes no effort to complain, no effort to call out things that are wrong. That's a spectator. God hasn't called you to be a spectator. He's called you to be a participator. But I'm going to build what Jesus is building. I love this quote I read recently. It's from Pastor Rich Wilkerson Jr. He said, some people would rather search to find a better church than serve to build a better church. Let me read that one more time just in case you didn't hear it. Some people would rather search to find a better church than serve to build a better church. There's another thing I've heard my whole life. Well, Church on the Rock doesn't do this. And this other church does this. And Church on the Rock needs to change this. And other churches do this. Guess what? When you get to the other church, you're going to find a big list of things wrong with that. And when you get to the next one, you're going to find a big list of things wrong with that. Why? Because every church is like that. You don't search to find the perfect church. You serve to build a great church. Hey, I'm the pastor. I'm more critical of this church than you are. I know everything wrong in this place. I am overly analytical of everything that goes on in this church, whether good, bad, or ugly, and I want to change it by tomorrow. I know that, but how does it change? It changes when we all get all in and decide to move it forward together and change it. Not searching for the best church. No, it doesn't work like that. You serve to make your church the best church. And the reason it isn't the best church and you're thinking is because you're not serving yet. I'm preaching 110 times better than you're responding today. I'm telling you the truth. Some people would rather search to find a better church than to serve and build a better church. As for me, I'm going to serve to build the church that we're called to be. I think there's a lot of great churches in this community and in Louisville. But with anything, you're going to keep looking and looking and looking and looking. But until you go all in and participate, you're never going to be satisfied. Because it's not about finding one. It's about being one. It's about serving to build the church we're called to be. And as your pastor today, I want to say for us to be the region-changing church we're called to be, it takes all of us going all in, serving, giving, praying, doing life together for this thing to work. 
And we will continue to stay in neutral if some of us act like, well, that's not me. We can't move it forward if you got it in neutral. We all got to be all in being a part of what God is doing. Serving, giving, praying. Not because we have to, because we want to. Because we love our church. Because we love each other. Because we love and we see the vision that God has placed on this place to be a region-changing church. And when I say region-changing church, that's not even for us. We want to be a region-changing church for the people out there. I'm not trying to build a bigger church for church people. You're glad you got in. We need you when all these lost people come in. We got to have at least a couple people that got some sense. That's why you made the cut. But we're not trying to be a region changing church to gather up other church people or other Christians or other religious people. We're talking there's hundreds of thousands of lost, broken people in this region that need to know God. And they need a church that believes in something. (sighs) I'm going to run across these pews if you keep acting this way with me this morning. (laughs) They need a church that gives them more than a 30-minute message about kiss your wife and read your Bible once a year and give them something they can live on. Give them a word from the word that will change their life and grow them up. And when they have needs, don't just say, just go to counseling. Yes, you need counseling, but you need the devil cast out of you first. We believe in both here, and most people need both. (laughs) Yes, go to the doctor, but come up in the line. I believe God can heal you and do miracles. The world needs to know that there's churches that still believe what the Bible says. And we're one of many, but we're one. There's plenty of us around, but we're going to be one of those places. Oh, you need healing? There's healing at Church on the Rock. You need deliverance? There's deliverance at Church on the Rock. You need somebody to build your faith up? There's faith at Church on the Rock. You need some hope? There's hope at Church on the Rock. You need some help? There's help at Church on the Rock. Help me, Jesus. It's been a big week, guys. I got married Monday, by the way. You guys know that? But we're going to be one of those churches. Reach and change in church. Pastor, you saying all 100,000 of those people are coming to this church? No. There's a lot of churches in this community that if they were filled up today, guess what? There would still be a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of lost people that couldn't get in. We're just one of many. But we're one. We're a good one getting better all the time and we're going to be a great one we have not built this foundation for 37 years for nothing we did it for a reason why did dad preach for all these years and build such a strong foundation in this church so we could handle it when we got here 37 years later So we could handle life groups. So we could handle hundreds and thousands of people coming into this church because we have spiritually mature people here to help them. Not just a pastor. You guys. It's important. I got to calm down. I don't want to. But I have to. We need to be people that decide, I'm going to serve to build a better church. It's easy to be critical. It's easy to be opinionated. I am. I'm not going to tell you right now. You're like, ooh. (laughs) What do you think is wrong in our church, Pastor? 
You want me to talk about people or departments? Which one do you go? <laughs> Joking. <laughs> I got nobody that comes off the top of my head. But it's easy. It's easy to be critical. It's easy to be opinionated about stuff. But that changes nothing. You got to choose to be a builder and serve to get there. You can write this down in your notes in Acts 6, verse 1 through 7. This was the early church. And the early church was growing rapidly. And they started having issues because they didn't have enough people serving at their church. Because some of you are just like, the early church didn't have these same issues about trying to get people to work preschool. Oh, they did. The early church didn't have these issues. It was just spiritual, supernatural. And, and there, was, there was nobody had to ever bring up tables and chairs. Oh, they did. Let me read it to you. Acts 6, verse 1. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there was rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the 12 called a meeting of all the believers and said, we, the apostles, should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so... Brothers, select seven men. So this church is growing rapidly, and the leaders are saying, we can't prepare for the message and serve food at the same time, so we have to have some people on the team. Select seven men who are well-respected, full of the spirit and wisdom, and we will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following men. Of course, there's Stephen and Philip and all the rest of those names. Some of those are Greek names. Verse 6. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. Notice what happens because these guys got involved. So God's message continued to spread, and the number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. So this church is growing rapidly, and these apostles, yes, they're very spiritual. Yes, they're praying and in the word, but they have an issue with people needing to serve at their church. And they said, let's find seven men. And when they plugged in these seven men just to hand out food, everyone doing their part's important. It says when they did that, the church grew even more after seven people got involved on a team. That's what the Bible says. That's how important it is to serve at your church. Imagine what would have happened if these seven men wouldn't have stepped up and gotten a part of a team. The church wouldn't have been able to grow the way they were able to grow if these men wouldn't have gotten involved. It's so important. You're saying, Pastor, why isn't this church growing to where it needs to go? Well, are you serving? Because maybe you're one of these seven. Because the church was growing and then it stopped growing because they had an issue. And seven men need to go all in and start serving on a team. And when they fix that problem, even though you could say, well, that's a natural thing. When they fix that natural issue of serving on a team, then the church started growing even more and more people came to the faith. It's so important that everyone does their part. And they even listed their names in the Bible. They're there forever. Seven dudes who did tables and chairs. All of us Corey boys for all time need to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life for this. <laughs> Brother Joe tracked us down for year after year after year after year. Tables and chairs, baby. Bruce at the Kia, baby. Tables and chairs, baby. 
I heard that in my dreams, in my nightmares for years after years after years. I did so many tables and chairs. I can't think of anything else in my life. I did that in middle school, in high school, in college, and after that. Tables and chairs, tables and chairs. But these guys did tables and chairs. It's an honorary thing. And because they did their part, the church grew rapidly because they did some tables and chairs and they handed out some food. It's so important, everyone doing their part. Here's a question to ask yourself today. If everyone acted like you, let me finish. <laughs> I already got a sheesh before I even got there. Sheesh. If everyone acted like you, would our church be better or worse? If the answer is worse, why? If your heart will convict you enough to say it would be worse, why are you living that way? That's your choice. You're hurting yourself and you're hurting the church you say you love. It's not God's will for you to do that. Listen to me. If everyone acted like you, would our church be better or worse? What about if they gave like you? Would our church be better or worse? What if people prayed like you? Would our church be better or worse? What if they served like you? Would our church be better or worse? If the answer is worse, check your heart. Check your heart. Your heart's hardened towards God and towards your church. If you're just like, I don't care. If I don't give, somebody else will give. If I don't pray, somebody else will pray. If I don't serve, somebody else will do it. I'm saying that because some of you think that way. Your heart's messed up. You've gotten cold towards God, cold towards your church. Something's wrong there. You don't got to do everything, but you got to do your part. You don't got to give everything, but you got to give your part. You, gotta, you don't got to do all the praying, but you got to do your part. You don't have to be in every ministry of helps and serve, but you need to do your part because every part matters. Hear me clearly this morning. If you know that the word tells you to pray for your church and to give your tithe and your offering, and the word tells you to serve and be a part of your church and what God has called you to do, and you don't do it, which is some of you in here right now, you're being disobedient to God. Pastor, can we take the option to go to a different church now? <laughs> no condemnation of what I said there. That is the truth. If God's word says you should do this and this and this, and you go to a church like ours who has taught you well about these things ongoingly, and you just don't care, and you don't do it, and you make excuses for yourself, you're being disobedient to God. And you'll get the result of being disobedient to God. Those same people are the people that have the most issues. Why? Because you're being disobedient to God. If you just make a small step in obedience, God will start helping you. God will start changing things. You're the one that's stiff necks. You're the one who has a hard heart, not him. If you just took one step towards him. And said, I'm just going to pray a little bit for my church this week. Obedience brings blessing. If you said, I don't even know if I can tithe yet, but I want to start giving something, God would start blessing that. Obedience brings blessing. If you said, you know, I don't have a lot of time, but I can serve in one ministry helps, and I can do that once a month, and I can do something, which you should, just one step of obedience would bring blessing into your life. You can't have God's best if you're not willing to give him your best. You can't. Are you hearing me today? And I love you. That's why God tell you the truth. 
in the Western world where we live, especially in America, we have been taught, which is a cultural thing, consumerism. Consumerism is good when you go to Target. Consumerism is good when you go to the Apple store. But a lot of us in the American church have been taught consumerism Christianity, not contributing Christianity. What does consumerism Christianity say? What's in it for me? I will only go to a church if I get something out of it. With that look. Okay. I will only be a part of a church if the pastor preaches the message I want him to preach. And if he doesn't, I'm out. I'll find a different one because it's about me. If the pastor doesn't spend the money the way I want him to, I will withhold my tithe and give it somewhere else because it's about me. If the church's schedule and my schedule doesn't line up, guess what? It's about me. Too bad, church. Hitting a little close to home? Yes, it is. We've been taught this in America, and it's not biblical. It's just American. Consumerism Christianity versus contributing Christianity. We've been taught convenient community, not covenant community. What does convenient community say? I'll come to church when it's convenient. Convenient Christianity says, I'll give when it's convenient. If all the bills line out this week, and I went to the restaurants I wanted to go to, and I bought my new purse I needed, then I'll throw God a couple bucks. No, you've been taught convenient Christianity, not covenant Christianity. I'll serve when I want to serve, Pastor. When it's convenient. That's not covenant. It's quiet in this Methodist, Southern Gospel, Presbyterian Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints this morning. I'm telling you the truth today. Because I love you. It's wrong. And if I think that way, it's wrong. And we all... Because we were raised in this, it's cultural to think it. It's about me. It's about the individual. It's about myself. If I'm convenient, it's, it's about consumerism. It's about what I want. I, I want, I want. That's an American thing. It's not a biblical thing. But we bring it into the church world and we say, well, I want a church that is about me. It's for me. They better have a spa for me. They better have coffee for me. They better preach the messages I want them to preach. I need a convenient church that doesn't mess with my schedule. That doesn't keep me too late on a Sunday so I can't beat the people to Golden Corral at 12. Let them eat it. Just let them eat it. They'll have more after that. Think about this. John F. Kennedy said this, ask not what your country can do for you, but what can you do for your country? But let me rephrase it as your pastor. Ask not what your church can do for you, but what can you do for your church? You know, past generations just automatically thought like this. Newer generations don't at all. Remember I gave this example years, well, not, it hadn't been a year ago, it's been this year. They ask like two different generations of people, like my grandpa fought in World War II. That generation, they thought the greatest thing in life was to sacrifice for others. They all went to war at 18. You're thinking, I know 18-year-old today. These people went to war against Hitler at 18 and 19 years old, and they thought it was great. 
Because sacrifice and each other and giving was the greatest thing on their mind because they thought biblically not American. And then we have a culture today that it's all about me. If it's convenient, I'm the consumer. It's not Bible. The Bible talks about you need to be committed to God and each other because of covenant. It's not about you. It's about all of us. It's about what God wants to happen. It's about God's will. It's about sacrifice. That's the true way to live. Didn't Jesus say stuff like this? Like, take up your cross and follow me. Deny yourself. Lay your life down. And then you can truly live. It's the opposite of a lot of American believers. I love you this morning. That's why God tell you the truth. Consumer or convenient Christians will never be a part of a region-changing church. They'll never be a part of God's will in their life, personally or publicly. They will never fulfill God's dream for their life. Because as soon as it's not convenient or in it for you, you'll bail. You'll jump ship. You'll back up. You'll backslide. You'll go back to that old life. But God's will is worth it. God's plan is worth it. Every sacrifice, every gift I give, every hour I serve, every day I pray, every dollar I give, everything I do for him is worth it. In this life and all eternity, it is worth it to sacrifice for him. It's no life. Living for you. It's not a life. I mentioned a while back, like I said, there's past generations, which was my grandparents. 18, year, 18 19 year old kids were sacrificed. And even the ones who stayed home were working in factories to build stuff for the World War II and to feed people and help people. And everybody did their part. That's why we won. Do you realize if Hitler would have won in World War II, this would have been a bad place to live at this point. But then you got 18, 19-year-old kids today. Their number one goal in life is to be famous and be a YouTuber. God bless us. Lord Jesus, come quickly. But that's what happens when you raise generation after generation after generation. It's about you, Johnny. (laughs) Consumer, 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 convenient, convenient, convenient. It's not the word. But I believe this church and all of you in here, no matter what generation you are, we're not like that. We're covenant people here. We're givers around here. We're not takers. We're about what God wants to do, and we're about helping each other because that's the only way to truly live. Everyone would say, I want to be like Jesus. Guess what Jesus said? He was the servant of all. Jesus said in the Gospels, the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but he came to serve. Jesus was the greatest servant of all time. So if we follow him, we're going to have that same attitude. Brother Darrell, could you come play and we're going to close here. Last two things I want to share is, well, why do we serve? Jesus served. Jesus gave this example, but we serve because we love God. And we serve because we love others. And I have a few verses I want to read for you today. Psalm 100 and verse 1 and 2. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord 
with grumpiness. <laughs> with, with, with a bad attitude. No, it says serve the Lord with gladness. No, I get to be here. I don't know after that message, Pastor. No, come on now. I'm not here because I have to be. I get to be here. I get to give my money to church and to the projects and, and to guest ministers and to the kingdom of God. And I get to give my money to people that don't have any. I get to do this. Serve him with gladness. Not because I have to. Because I want to. I don't have to serve on a team. I get to serve on a team. Oh, God says you get to be a part of what I'm doing on the earth. The greatest privilege ever. Not like, oh man, another Sunday. No, with gladness. I get to give, I get to pray, I get to come to church, I get to serve, I get to do life with believers and be a part of the church of Jesus Christ, which is the greatest thing on the earth, which is the vehicle that God is using to change the world, which is the solution to the world's issues is the local church. I get to do it. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Let's read Psalm 84 and verse 10. We're talking about why do we serve? We serve for God and we serve for others. For a day in your courts. Is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper. You want a translation of that? I'd rather pour Kool-Aid for a preschooler. I'd rather clean the bathrooms. I'd rather hand out some food. I'd rather come early and open a door at the front of church to help people get in. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. I love the way it says in the message. One day spent in your house, this beautiful place of worship beats a thousand spent on Greek island beaches. I'd rather scrub floors in the house of my God than be an honored, be honored as a guest in the palace of sin. I got one more verse about serving the Lord. I love this. 1 Samuel 12 and 24 in the Amplified. Only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart for consider how great are the things he has done for you why do I serve him faithfully and I get to do it because all he's done for me now some of you don't get it yet because you haven't been through enough in life like, yeah God did something for me no, but I know that people that have been through something really understand what this verse means. Anybody in here like that? Did God ever heal you of anything? Did he ever deliver you of anything? Did he ever set you free of anything? Did he ever help you in your darkest days, your most hopeless days? It means something. So I serve him because I haven't forgotten where God has brought me from, what he has done in my life. I haven't forgotten that the only one that was there for me was him. So I can serve him faithfully. And I get to do it. But we also, we do it because we're here to serve others. We're here to serve each other, but other people even outside of church. All the people that will come. In 1 Peter 4.10, notice what it says. God has given each of you, that's all of you, a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. 
So we serve because we love God and we serve because we love others. It's about others. That's why we're doing this. Yes, for him, but for others. Because it matters. They matter. Their life matters. Their future matters. And here's the last verse, and we'll close. You guys get anything today? I gave it all I had today. I was all in. (laughs) I love you. All right, four people. Thanks, guys. Hey, I got married this week. Somebody say I love you. You love me? Okay, thank you. (laughs) Joshua 24, 15. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. There's no neutral ground here. You're serving someone or something right now. Many of us think, no, I ain't serving nobody. Yeah, you are. It might not be God, but you're serving somebody. You're serving your career. You're serving your money. You're serving your kids. You're serving your sexuality. You're serving all sorts of things. No, but if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land that you now live? But listen to what Joshua said. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. That's a choice. That's a choice. And I believe in all of us are getting this down in our spirit today, what Joshua said. And we're deciding for us today and for our family, for our marriage, for our kids, for our kids' kids. We're making a decision. No, as for us, we're going to serve the Lord. We're not going to serve other things. We're going to serve the Lord because we love him and we love other people. We're going to be a part of God's house. We're going to give in God's house. We're going to serve in God's house. We're going to pray in God's house because it's the greatest thing we can do with our life. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now I'm going to end with this. I know you said you said you were going to end a long time ago. <laughs> but the Apostle Paul said many times, finally, brethren, in his letters. So that's what I'm saying today. But I had a good mama. And my mom was, well, actually, I would say I am. I'm like her in the sense of we say kind of what we feel. There's not like a lot of filter on it. <laughs> like you would think that dad's that way. He's actually not private. Like Jessica and dad are like the sweeter people. <laughs> and my mom and I are a little more boisterous and smart aleck at times. <laughs> But we do it out of passion. We do it out of emotion because we love and we care. But my mom was good at confronting me as a mom because she was a good mom many a times about tithing, about everything else. And she had this verse, and any good church kid's mama would use that verse all the time. They would, you guys probably had it in your house, didn't you? That on the wall. It was like crocheted on the wall. Or somebody painted it. And any time I would try to act rebellious, which was a lot. Any time that I would act like, I'm not tithing. I'm not going to church. I'm not going to do this. I'm going to go over here and hang out with these people. Mom would boldly remind me of this verse in Joshua. She said, "Uh uh-uh. Point to the wall. As for me in my house... We will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, Jordan. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. She was right. Look how it turned out. Look how Jessica turned out. Because... We had good parents who said that. 
but they lived that. But what about all you in here? What about all you in here? You got to make that decision for yourself as an adult, as a couple, as a family. How is your future going to be? How are your kids going to be? How are your grandkids going to be? As for you and your house, you're going to decide, we will serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord in this house. We're going to give in this house. We're going to pray in this house. And I'm not going to just tell you to do it. I'm going to do it first. That's how you get kids to turn out to be preachers. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's the greatest decision you ever make. Hear me, church. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Not out of duty. Not out of religiousness. Not out of obligation. But because I love him. For all the things he's done for me. Because I want to be a part of what he's doing. It's the greatest privilege. Because anything done for him will last not just in this life, but into eternal. It matters. It's no greater way to spend your life or your time or your talent or your treasure than to do God's will than to be a part of what God is doing. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Because we want to. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Did you guys get some today? I apologize. I'm back with you here. We get to do this, guys. We get to be a part of what God is doing. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And as the leader of this house, I'm saying that prophetically. As for me and this house, all of you, all the kids in the back, all the kids upstairs, all the people on the property right now that are part of Church on the Rock, even those who are at home today, as for me in this house, what are we going to do the rest of our life? We're going to serve the Lord with everything, with everything we got. Heart, soul, mind, and strength with our money, with our prayers, with our time, with every part of us. We're going to serve the Lord. Whew. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I feel the anointing in here today. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.